and he loved us. Isn't that a great reality that we could continue to reflect on this morning? Amen. Hey, so I want to welcome you. I know that uh, some of you might, might be visiting here this morning. Uh, some of you might be visiting and uh, maybe haven't been here in quite a while, and I know what you're thinking. Pastor Allen? Looking good. <laughs> no. I'm not Pastor Allen, although I am looking good. Welcome, everyone, and I'm so excited uh, to be able to share the word with you this morning, and we're going to have an excellent time right after the service. Uh, as Mark had said, we have bouncy castles, and uh, we have bouncy castles for the little kids, and also we have something for the older ones as well. We're, we're just looking forward to that this morning. Well, today we are reflecting on how God has blessed us. Uh, today, we are reflecting on uh, how much God has blessed us within our families, but as well within our church congregation. Um, there are many people that uh, when we become blessed, slowly but surely, there seems to be a tendency for us to forget that there are other people in this world who are still needy. And right now, as we are uh, spending this day and just reflecting on how great God has been to us uh, within our church family, within our church congregation, and within the relationships that we have with one another, uh, today I thought it would be appropriate for us to stop and consider some of the people throughout the world who are not quite as privileged as we are. Maybe to stop and to think about Specifically, the children throughout the world who don't have what we have, the less fortunate and the underprivileged. I want to begin by sharing a story with you this morning. Uh, one missionary reported to Rick Warren about how in his African village, the only way that the orphans could get an education was if someone had financially sponsored them. So he, requ he requested and even pleaded to many North American Christians and asking them to sponsor these children to make a difference in the lives of these children. No one responded. He expressed his distress when he found out that the local Muslim imam responded to the need and began paying for the orphan school fees. The Muslim imam then took a Christian Bible and showed him James 1.27, which says, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for the orphans. You see, says the imam, Islam is the true religion. This is a tragedy. It's a tragedy when people do not see Christianity in action. The orphans and the imam, they did not see real, true, pure religion. They did not see true Christianity in action. 
This morning, Pastor Allen had titled this message, message, Real Pure Religion. I want to ask you, what is it? What is real pure religion? Today, let's take a look at this verse. James 1.27. Oh, it looks like my phone's buzzing here. That's my dad. I guess he doesn't realize I'm preaching right now. Just put that on hold. There we go. Maybe I should put him on speakerphone so that he could listen up. Let's take a look at this verse. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for the orphans and the widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. What gives Christianity credibility is our commitment to those in need. Talk is cheap. It's really easy to say that you believe something and then do nothing about it. Many Christians or people who associate themselves with Christianity would say, yes, absolutely. We have a responsibility to go and actually uh, care for those who are in need in other countries, the children who are suffering. In fact, if I did a survey across this whole room right now, and I asked everyone, okay, do you think that it's actually important to give to the poor and to the needy? If I asked everyone, everyone, I'm sure, would say, oh, absolutely, yes, of course. God wants us to do that, yes. But then I would then ask you, okay, what are you doing to take action? If everyone says yes, then I would say, what are you doing right now to take action? In 2012, I had the privilege of going to uh, Burundi, Africa, with Dennis Weeb, the founder of Village of Hope Burundi. And I enjoyed it so much, I went this a second time in 2013. But during my two trips, uh, I have to say that I had a really enjoyable experience, actually. Uh, I got to see great teamwork. I got to see uh, culture, the music, the laughter. Overall, I could say that I, I came back with some really good, positive memories from my trip to Burundi. But I also got, to, got a chance to see the poverty firsthand. I got to see some of the living conditions of some of the children. I saw within one of the most destitute countries, children who were suffering in many ways. I saw a shortage of shelter. Many kids crammed into, into one shelter. I saw a lack of clothing. You wouldn't believe some of the rags that some of these people were wearing. I saw a lack of education. I saw social needs. I saw medical needs, and I saw malnutrition. Simple things we take for granted, food, water. These kids did not have. One impoverished child had a father, and this father was not taking proper care of her daughter. Whenever he had even a little bit of money, what he would do is he would take the excess, and he would take actually all the money that he was earning, and he would just simply go to the bar. 
and he would, he would completely just drink, drink it away, drink away the extra money. When he came back home, he would have nothing left for his wife and children, so he couldn't take care of them. So our medical team came and, and did a quick checkup on this child, and they found that she was extremely malnourished. It looked like she hadn't eaten in weeks. This one child looked so horrible at that point that it looked like things weren't, weren't looking too well for this one child. It looked like if there wasn't, if something didn't change at that moment, perhaps this child would die. I remember Sally, Dennis's wife, who uh, actually has the same passion for these children that Dennis, is, Dennis has, and she stopped and she, she brought the team together. And I remember vividly what she had said. She said, we have to do something. We have to do something. I know that there's many kids right now that are going through the same conditions and are starving just as this child. And maybe we can't change the world. Maybe we can't change things for all of them. But we can change this person's life. Maybe we can change things for this one child. Sally was caring for the orphan. Sally was quickened by the Holy Spirit with the same compassion that Jesus had for these children. Sally was responding. She was showing real true, pure religion. In fact, we ended up responding to this need, and we ended up taking care of this child, and now she, this child is doing well. But it's because someone had responded. It's because someone had taken action with their beliefs. Actually, Dennis himself um, the very reason why Village of Hope Burnley exists is because he responded to a need. He simply saw many, many needs that existed throughout the world, specifically in Burnley, and he said, Lord, take me, use me to be an instrument for your righteousness. And so he responded, and now, at this point, many, many children in Burnley, in that small village, are now being taken care of. Because one person responded. Because one person said, yes, I will take care of the orphan and the widow. There's nothing more fulfilling than changing a life. There's nothing more fulfilling. There's nothing more exciting than restoring hope to the hopeless. When you help the needy, some extremely exciting things happen to you. Number one, your faith will come alive. You will, you will give a huge satisfaction and happiness to yourself, and you will have credibility as a Christian, and you will have authority as a believer. This is Christianity in action. You'll, you'll be able to have authority as a believer because now you can say, yes, I not only believe what Jesus has told me to do, but I am now doing it. I not only believe that God cares for the poor and the needy, but I am a part of his kingdom 
I'm a part of his plan for redemption. Isn't that exciting? So today I want to ask, why don't we help the less fortunate? Why, why is it so much, so much of a struggle? I want to share with you a couple statistics here. According to UNICEF, 22,000 children die each day due to poverty. And they die quietly in some of the poorest villages on earth, far removed from the scrutiny and the conscience of the world. Of the estimated 2.2 billion children worldwide, about a billion or or every second child live in poverty. Of the 1.9 children in developing nations, 640 million are without adequate shelter. 400 million are without access to safe water. 270 million have no access to health services. In 2003, 10.6 million children died before reaching the age of five, which is equivalent to the total child population of France, Germany, Greece, and Italy. You want to know something else? In the time it took me to read this, at least three children around the world had died of hunger. What can we do to respond? What can we do as a church to take action? These statistics here, it's not unlike what you've heard before. I'm sure many of you have heard many statistics of things that are happening around the world. We seem to have a lot of knowledge we seem to have, be filled with knowledge of what's going on around the world, and it's almost as though we become numb to this knowledge. Often, even with knowing all these things that are happening, we do nothing. I'm going to ask, why is that? Why? James, he ends this verse here. He says, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for the orphans and the widows in their distress. And often we stop right there, and we don't go on. We don't continue on with the rest of this verse. But what does it say? And refusing to let the world corrupt you. There's a reason why he said this. It's because in this world, there's this prevailing mentality that says, it's all about me. I need to get what I want first. I need to get what I need first. And then if there's anything left for the poor, then I'll give to the poor. It's a me first mentality. Rather than thinking first about what God wants to do in order to respond to the needs of those throughout the world, we think of ourselves first. This is the way the world thinks. And this is why we have to refuse on a daily basis, to let the world corrupt us. When speaking about the world, he's speaking about this prevailing attitude or belief system. Uh, There seems to be a trend right now with less people giving to charities. According to the 2013 Generosity Index compiled by the Fraser Institute, There's been a downward trend in the proportion of Canadians donating to registered charities and the share of income they donate. 
It seems to be as though less people are now giving in Canada. Why is that? We see so much of the need, but now it seems like we're slowly giving less. We're responding less. Here's something interesting. When we respond to the needs of others, when we actually help people, it feels really good inside, doesn't it? I mean, if you see someone suffering and hungry and you respond to them, it actually does feel really good. It's, in, it's good. We feel a sense of satisfaction. We feel as though we have fulfilled some sort of a purpose. Why is it that we feel so good when we give to someone? The reason is because God created us that way. He created us to be givers. He created us so that we could actually respond to the needs of others. The thing is, right now, even though it feels good, people choose not to respond. And many of you, when you're sitting at home, you see some commercials that come up, maybe World Vision commercials that say, donate now to these children. And you see all sorts of pictures of children that are suffering from preventable preventable diseases and causes. And what you feel, you feel a little bit of guilt, don't you? And I, I, I've heard a lot of people, they say, well, I just flip the channel when I see those things because I just, I, it just makes me depressed. Where's the action? Here's something interesting. Dr. Sally Hibbert, he's a Ph.D., He's a senior lecturer in marketing at Nottingham University Business School in England. And he states the theory of neutralization can provide insight into why people don't give. Now, neutralization, he says, is this. It's a method or a set of techniques that people use in order to not feel bad about giving. Thing is, it's unconscious. So people are not conscious about using these techniques. And I'm going to read some of these to you, and I want you to stop and reflect and think about this. Consider whether or not some of these thoughts have ran through your mind when someone has asked you to give or to respond to the needy people throughout the world. Number one, denial of responsibility. I don't have enough money to give to charity. Number two, denial of benefit. My gift won't make any difference. All charity work that has been done in Africa hasn't made any difference. There are still millions of people starving. Denial of a victim. There's no need for anyone to be homeless. There are plenty of jobs out there. Number four, condemning the condemners. What right do pop stars have to, uh, to, to ask us to give? They should give away some of their millions. Condemning the condemners. Number five, appeal to higher loyalties. My priority is to look after family. Charity begins at home. Now, Dr. Sally Hibbert, he calls this neutralization. And we, within the Christian world, we know and we understand that these techniques... These thoughts that come through our mind are actually lies from the enemy. How many people know that God 
wants us to respond to the needy. And Satan doesn't want any part of it. In fact, he doesn't want you to be part of his kingdom advancement. He doesn't want you to see the joy and the happiness and the excitement that comes from living a life where you are part of something significant and great and life-changing. So these here, he calls them neutralization. I call them lies from the enemy that will creep up. So on a daily basis, we have to be conscious of this and understand that we are battling against this way of thinking. This idea that it's all about me, me first. Interesting thing is that commonly, this way of thinking manifests itself through the love of money. And Jesus responds to this. He says, you can't serve both God and money. For you either love the one or hate the other. And he says, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Again, this, this attitude, it, it flows from a poverty mentality, thinking there's not going to be enough for me and the poor. How many people know that with God, he owns all the resources? Amen? And if you become part of what he is trying to do, there's no shortage. You simply have to respond. You simply have to do what he's called you to do, and there will be an endless supply of everything that you need, and even above and beyond that. Proverbs 19, 17, it says this, if you help the poor and you are lending, if you help the poor, you're actually lending to the Lord. He will repay you. Whatever you do, and however much you help the poor, God will repay you. He says this, give and you will receive. God wants to bless you. And you know what? When you respond and when you give to someone else, you will be far more blessed than the person who is being blessed by you. Do you know that? When you choose to bless another person, when you bless some of these children who are suffering in other countries, here's what, here's what Jesus said. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Pressed down, shaken together to make room for more. Running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will, will determine the amount you get back. That's Luke six thirty eight. So he won't only give return back what you have given, but he will give you far more in return. I want to share with you a time where um, Heather and I, Heather is my wife, my lovely, gorgeous, amazing wife that I am so richly blessed with. Heather and I, we were... Um, just two years ago, we were looking for a house, and we were trying to save money to, to purchase this house. And uh, during the time where we were saving money, you know, money was still very tight for us. And God had laid on our heart that he wanted us to go to Africa to visit Burundi with Dennis. And so, you know, we took a step of faith. Even though money was tight, we still took a step of faith. And we decided to go as God was calling us to go. And not only that, but God was also calling us to sponsor a child. So even though money was tight, and even though we were saving money for a house and saving money to go on a trip, 
we sponsored a child because God had told us that we needed to sponsor a child. Guess what? All our money, all our expenses for the trip was paid for. It was covered. God had provided everything. God had provided what we needed to sponsor this child. And not only that, but when we came back from the two trips, there was a house waiting for us. And God was ready to bless us so richly. Amen? It takes a step of faith. When you give, it takes a step of faith. When you respond to the needy people across the world, the needy children who need your help, it takes faith. But Hebrews 11.6, it says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. The way to please God is to take a step in the direction that God has called you to go, regardless of whether or not it makes sense to you or not. Give. I want to encourage you. Give and watch. See what God will do in your life. It's exciting. It's thrilling. So what does pure religion look like? Okay, I want to define religion for you. Some of you, they struggle with this word religion. Okay, I'm just going to quickly define it for you. Number one, religion is a specific fundamental set of beliefs and practices generally agreed upon by a number of persons or sects. Number two, the body of, it's a, the body of persons adhering to a particular set of beliefs and practices. Notice the correlation here. Practice associated with belief. Number three is my favorite. It's a practice of religious beliefs. How many people know that you can believe a lot and not do anything about it? True, pure religion means that you're taking the knowledge that you know, the belief in God that you know. You take the instruction that God, that God gives you, that you know, and you begin to practice. That is true, pure religion. Pastor Allen, he's been talking about this term called practical theology. Well, what is that? It's theology that's put into practice. It's thoughts. It's ideas. It's truth that you know that you begin to practice. And P.A.'s concern, as he had mentioned before, is that many people, they fill their minds with knowledge but do nothing about it. The writer of James He's essentially saying exactly the same thing. He says, faith without works is dead. And he says, he says this, interesting thing about faith and belief, faith and actions, is that many people believe in Jesus. In fact, Satan himself believes in Jesus and trembles. But how many people know that Satan does not live by faith? Satan does not practice real, true, pure religion. There's a difference. Faith is understanding knowledge and putting it into action. That is true, pure religion in the sight of God. There's no other kind of Christianity. God says this. He says, don't lie And so what what do we do? We practice that. We don't lie. 
God says, don't lie, so we don't lie. God says, forgive one another, so we forgive one another. God says, love one another, and so we love one another. And God says, give to the poor. Real, true, pure religion means that we're caring for the children in distress. Cross Church right now is committed to partnering with missions organizations. Um, right now we've been helping the poor and we've been connecting specifically to, to the organizations that help poor children across the world. And we recently raised $2,000 to help Derek from Hope for the Island with his medical expenses. And we also filled dozens of bags of hope. Um, for those of you who don't know what bags of hope are, uh, they're small Ziploc bags that we filled with gifts that we are sending to the Philippines to, dist to distribute to different kids who are needy, different kids who are underprivileged. So we're doing all this, but this morning I want to I wanna say this. Can we do something right now for Burundi? Can we do something right now for Village of Hope? Is that okay this morning? In conclusion, I want to share a, a brief video clip, and then I, I want to get Dennis to come up to say a few words, just to share exactly what it is that we're going to be doing in, in, um, in Burundi this year. But as you watch the video, I want you to think and reflect on what God is calling you to do, how God is calling you to respond to this question. Let's watch this video. Well, today I'm privileged to have beside me Dennis Weeb. He is the founder of Village of Hope Burundi, for those of you who don't know. And he has spent many, many hours and much of what he has to bless the children in other countries who don't have what we are privileged to have. So today I asked uh, Dennis just to share with us just a, a couple words. What, what is Village of Hope? And tell us what it is that we as a church are going to be doing this summer. Awesome. Thanks, Andrew. So, uh, Andrew, you nailed two of the verses that um, are, are so incredibly important to me and would have driven my life. That's James 1.27, caring for widows and orphans, and James 2.17, faith without works is dead. So those two things have absolutely driven me, and it, and it caused me to actually found Village of Hope. And today, um, we're, we're just expanding it. Uh, we are going to be cracking 100 kids. We, we, this year, we started at 80. We've added a bunch of kids. We're now over 100 kids at Village of Hope Burundi. So you know, what Andrew is saying is that, you know, well, I'm not going to impact all of them. No, but for those 100 kids, their lives have been absolutely revolutionized because they get all the things that we take for granted. So when we're going to be there in August, we're going to be running a kids' camp so these kids have never, ever had a chance to have a kids' camp experience. Most Canadians have. And, and it, it, it can be a life-changing experience to be able to, you know, get away from your regular life and, and get the gospel and have some fun and realize that Christianity can be a very fun thing and it can be a very important thing for your life. And, and they'll be receiving that. So the group that's going to Burundi is going to be uh, teaching the leaders in Burundi how to run a kids' camp so that when we leave... They can do it again and again 
And again, because it's not just about us being there to do stuff and then leave. We need to teach them how to do it. And that's what we're going to be doing. So we are going to be taking 100 kids to, to kids camp. Heather tells me as of today, we have 71 of them sponsored. It's 50 bucks per kid to send the kid to kids camp. We have 29 that we still need to raise the money for. So 29 times 50. So there's a couple of ways you can do it. You can give in the, in the center through uh, you know, debit, credit. You can write a check through Cross Church. This barrel, which was redressed. Go ahead, Kyle, open it up. This was the uh, coin op barrel a couple of years ago, and now it's the coins for camp barrel. So for those who have some extra spare change in your pocket, I went around my house. I never use cash, but I managed to scrounge up some change. And I'm sure we all have some in our pockets. Go ahead, donate to, for uh, coins for camp for the kids in Village of Hope, Burundi, and allow them to go to camp. Uh, the other thing is we still need sponsors for the new kids we added. So, you know, Andrew gave his story of, of how they sponsored a kid and how it impacted them, and God still provided enough for everything else. It's $39 a month to sponsor a kid. Come and see me in the kiosk in the, in the, in the foyer, and you'll, you'll uh, be able to choose a child. There's a few of them there, and uh, sign up. That's it. Dennis, uh, we want to, I've asked the elders to come, come and uh, pray for us, uh, pray for you this morning, to lay hands on you. Uh, not in a negative way, like, like not, to, not to terrorize you or anything like that. It's not the principal's office. Yeah, it's not the principal's office, no. But uh, I asked them to, to come and uh, just say a quick prayer over you and just to bless you for all the work that you've been doing at Village of Hope and uh, to really bless this new project that we're, we're doing for the camp. And uh, we believe and we understand that this is going to impact many children in Burnley. Right. Don, you want to lead us? Sure. Father, we just uh, thank you that we can come before you. We thank you for Dennis's heart, for uh, serving the orphans. Thank you, Father, for the vision that you've given him and uh, for uh, blessing him through that vision and allowing others, allowing us, to be part of this incredible adventure. And Lord, we uh, think about how much we really do have. We actually have coins in our pocket, and that makes us part of the richest people in the world. And here are these kids that have got nothing, absolutely nothing. They don't even have people to take care of them. And you have provided this opportunity through this vision that you've given Dennis. And we pray, God, that you would just speak to each one of our hearts and help us to respond in, in whatever way we can. Your word says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And uh, we're going to give in faith this morning. And uh, as your word says... No man's a debtor to you. And we just pray, God, that the funds that come in, that you would just take those and multiply them and uh, change these kids that have absolutely no hope 
and fill their lives with joy and peace and hope, Lord, for the future, knowing you. And we just pray your blessing and protection upon Dennis and Sally in this endeavor, Lord. And uh, again, thank you for this opportunity that we have. We ask this in your name. Amen. Let's give him a hand. So today, uh, could just join me for a couple more minutes. Um, again, there's two ways, two main ways that you can give. Number one is to sponsor a child, $39 a month, right in the atrium. This is how you could respond. The other way, send a kid to camp. I remember many of you can relate to this. And you know that camp can be an incredible life-changing experience for a child. And the kids that don't have enough, don't, wouldn't even have even close to the amount needed to go to camp, we as a church could send 100 kids to Burnley to the camp that will change their life. So today, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to respond. You can either sponsor a child or send a kid to camp. And if you, if you don't have a $50 bill to send one in particular child to camp, there's 29 kids right now that we're needing to send to camp. If, if you want to send it by, um, if you want to um, cover the cost, simply uh, put the money in an envelope, mark it down, Village of Hope Camp, and we'll be able to send a child to camp. If you don't have that, simply, just as Dennis had mentioned, Simply drop your change in the barrel. Very simple, very easy. So today I just want to just pray a blessing on uh, the rest of this day. And uh, as you know, right now is uh, uh, right after the service, we're going to be enjoying an excellent time together, church picnic just out in the backfield. And we're just going to have an excellent time where we're able to celebrate life together. And so today... I want to pray a blessing over what's to, what's to come, and I want to pray a special blessing over you this morning. Can I do that? Amen. Father, we thank you so much for all that you've given us. And right now, Lord, as we uh, come together as a church and just celebrate our life together and how much you've blessed us, Father, I pray that each of us, Lord God, right now would stop and reflect on how we can be a blessing to some of these children who are in need right now, Father. Pray that you'd speak to our hearts and allow each of us to respond, Lord, in the way that you have called us to. And right now, I pray that you would just bless this time, Father, this response. And right now, I also pray a blessing over the food, Lord, that we're about to eat, about to partake in, Father. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you keep providing for us and that there is no end to your supply, Father. I pray right now that people would give by faith and just see your blessing fill their life, Father. Pray a blessing over this. For the rest of this afternoon, we pray a blessing in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Stop by the, the barrel right here. First five people to drop money in the barrel get a free high five.